I've listened to No Jacket Required by Phil Collins for more than a year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James. Uh, the drum machine that you heard at the beginning there was Connor. It was me. That's right. Uh, we are doing a Phil Collins episode. Wait, what? That's Yeah, Phil Collins. Was that not the drum beat you were doing from the, in the air tonight? No, it was. That was just a coincidence. Um, oh, just you just made up some notes? No, no, that was the drum solo to in the air tonight. I just... I didn't realize we were doing an episode. It was coincidental. I constantly go around doing that drum beat. Yeah, that's as you should. The sad part about it is In the Air Tonight is not on No Jacket Required, the album. You monster. I know. I had a hard time picking between Face Value and No Jacket Required for this episode, just like I had trouble last week with Halsey. But I landed on No Jacket Required because I think overall there's more, like a greater quantity of bigger songs, you know? So despite not having the Juggernaut track In the Air Tonight, I mean, we're going to get great tracks like Susudio and I Don't Want to Know and Why Doesn't Anybody Stay Together Anymore and Inside Out. Lots of good ones. My biggest complaint is that we're not doing the Brother Bear soundtrack. The Brother Bear soundtrack is good. It is. It is. And so is the Tarzan soundtrack. The problem is... Tell everybody I'm on my way. Not on this podcast, though. This podcast is on its way. Uh, They're not on their way to this podcast. They're instead going to the river fish the you no know, brother bear is not listening to this podcast sorry to say anyway phil collins let's talk about phil collins this is someone that you already know oh quite well yeah quite well and and so i wanted to give you more again we're still pulling our way out of the slump for you right the slump with a capital s i think you're just trying to butter me up right before i turn in my punch cards so that i'll maybe pick something more agreeable to you that is maybe possible as well so how much phil collins do you know i would say he's the most listened to person we've done since billy joel oh wow episode one this is your most familiar artist since episode one correct so on this 11 track album how many did you know i think probably all of them you uh, you think probably all of them if you just said name every phil collins song you could some of them i might not have named but that's just because i'm bad at names but i recognized every song well cool then i mean i guess it helps that you're coming in familiar to this one but it's also your first time listening to the album cover to cover another one of those kind of episodes which which we don't get very often. It's fun to do one every once in a while, though. That's right. Let's talk about Phil Collins. Phil Collins was born in 1951. He's currently 71 years old. And Phil has double-dipped, kind of, on super successful music careers. He started off as the drummer for Genesis in 1970. And then after Peter Gabriel's departure in 1975, he also took over the lead vocals. He last acted as Genesis's drummer in 2007. But he continued on as their vocalist past then. I actually just yesterday saw a headline that phil collins announced genesis was done touring so wait they they announced their last show or they've done their last show no they've done their last show genesis is literally the opposite of genesis so with genesis phil collins released 11 studio albums which is a massive and very musically significant career all on its own but 
On top of that, he also released eight solo studio albums between 1981 and 2010. And of course, like we already alluded to, he's also been involved in film. He's composed soundtracks for Tarzan, for Brother Bear, and several other films, and his work has appeared in more than two hundred TV shows and movies. And he's even had a bit of a career as an actor and a voice actor, successful in a band, successful on his own. And actually, he's one of the most renowned drummers of all time. He's been very prominently in the conversation for many top 50, top 25, top 10 best drummer lists. And he's had a really significant influence on progressive rock as a genre. But beyond that, he's also had personal influences on many, many musicians, including people like Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters, rest in peace, uh, Matt Mingus from Dance Gavin Dance, Dream Theater's Mike Portnoy, Neil Peart from Rush, said that Genesis' album Selling England by the Pound was, quote-unquote, an enduring masterpiece of drumming. So Phil Collins is no slouch when it came to drums. And it shows, too. He, he was very well awarded. He's got eight Grammys, six Brit Awards. Three of them were for Best British Male Artist. He's got two Golden Globes. He's got an Oscar for You'll Be In My Heart. And he has a Disney Legend Award. He's the first artist we've talked about who has achieved the status of Disney Legend. Yeah, well, he's also a uh, a Spinet Legend. Should we give him the Spinet Legend Award? Yeah, he gets the Spinet Legend Award. We'll go ahead and wait for Phil Collins' agent to get back to us on which one he values more. Yeah, we, we've reached out for comment and have not yet heard back. And by reached out for comment, we mean we have not reached out for comment. <laughs> no, that was just a lie. It was just a lie. Phil Collins also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which he got in 1999, and then he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2003 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a part of Genesis in 2010. So, that's that's a career there. He sold over 150 million records. And here's a fun fact, uh, another round of trivia for you, like baby factor spin, but I only give you facts and you just have to guess. Phil Collins is one of only three artists who has sold over 100 million records both as a solo artist and as part of a band. Can you guess who the other two are? Hmm. Let's see. I'm gonna guess. Uh, I would say probably Michael Jackson, right? Uh, with the Jackson 5. Mm, okay. Um, and then probably one of the Beatles. Ooh, very great guesses. The answers are Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. You nailed it. Nailed it. <sighs> Thank you for not making me pick a beetle. That's for the one I probably would have picked, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, round two, round two. You got round one right. Oh, oh, okay. Building off of being a very successful artist alone and in a band, he is estimated to be the second richest drummer in the world with an estimated wealth of more than 150 million US dollars or 120 million pounds. Can you guess who the richest drummer in the world is? It's gotta be Ringo Starr, right? Also a member of the Beatles? It's gotta be, and it is. Yes. <laughs> Good job. Uh, nailed it. You did. You went two for two. Is this what it feels like when you run circles around the mixtape week to week? Yeah, but usually my circles are never quite complete. I run C's around the mixtape. <laughs> What's the C stand for? It's the 75% that I get right all the time. It's a C grade, but it's also a C because I don't go full circle. Right. You said you run C's around the mixtape. I just assumed the C stood for something. Like Captain Spin. His arch enemy. This is a conspiracy. Another fun trivia tidbit. Really awesome Phil Collins fact. Are you going to make me guess this one? No. Can I guess this one? No. There's nothing for you to guess. What if I just guess what the trivia tidbit is? If you really want to besmirch your perfect week here. Um, I'm going to guess he played an infamous.
famous live eight event at Wembley Stadium in 1985 in London, and then he hopped on a supersonic Concorde airplane and flew across the Atlantic Ocean to play at the American half of the international event in Philadelphia on the same day. Was that it? Yeah. Well, next time I'm going to put my notes on a different page, I guess. That is it. Yeah, Phil Collins played at both the American and the European legs of the Live Aid event. That's actually really cool. It is really cool. He took a supersonic airplane across the ocean and and played two performances as part of Live Aid. Supersonic man out of you. That queen was also there, yes. Last Phil Collins trivia tidbit. You want me to guess that one too? He drums left-handed. Oh, okay. Well, blew right past that one. I wasn't going to give you another chance just to read the note. So, that's a lot about Phil Collins. The legend, spin it legend, TM pending. Let's talk about No Jacket Required, the album which we've chosen to focus on. No Jacket Required came out in February of 1985. It was Phil Collins' third solo album, and it ended up being his most successful album, which is no small part of the reason I picked it. It made it to number one in the UK and the US for seven weeks, and Susudio and One More Night each became number one single, while Don't Lose My Number and Take Me Home each cracked the top ten. So that makes Phil Collins (laughs) officially the only artist to have three songs in the US top ten in 1985. For the entire year, Phil Collins was the only person to get into that top 10 three times. Thrice. No Jacket Required also won three Grammys, including Album of the Year, and it sold over 25 million copies worldwide. The album features contributions from Sting, Peter Gabriel, and plenty of other friends of Phil Collins. And we'll get into some more of the specifics later, right? But a lot of the album was kind of improvised or made up on the spot, especially lyrically. He kind of had a conscious effort to sound more up-tempo and upbeat on this record, especially given some of his first couple albums he really wanted this one to break the mold so he modeled some of these songs and some of the rhythms that he drummed and played with after greats like prince the jackson five and more the name no jacket required comes from a time that collins was trying to get into a fancy restaurant with robert plant from led zeppelin the restaurant was a you know a nice place that had a dress code and they required a jacket and phil had a jacket on but the host said that the jacket quote wasn't proper so they didn't let him in and man was phil collins ever mad about it (laughs) he said in a 1986 interview with playboy i thought of different things to do like maybe going down there wearing the right kind of jacket and ordering a drink and just pouring it onto the floor and saying well i've got a jacket on you can't do anything to me maybe i should smash a few photographs on the wall a bit of the robert plant attitude but i did nothing of course i just moaned about it and then he named an album after it can we sell spin it improper jackets improper spin it jackets well i wonder what would make a jacket so improper it says improper on it oh you just it just literally would be branded improper well and with our spin it logo sure it'd be like a jacket that has like our logo uh on the front like the little small logo and on the back it just says the word improper i like that it's classy kind of not really well you know what If you're listening to this podcast, even if we start selling jackets, if you ever want to listen to this podcast, it will be no jacket required. That's a promise. It's a guarantee. How long have you been waiting to make that joke? Literally, I just thought of it now when you said we should sell jackets to people. Don't you lie to me. It's the truth. It's the truth. I'm not the liar on this podcast. The liar on this podcast should be getting ready for his big, you know, 15 seconds of fame. Is the mixtaper back there? First off, we all know he makes sure it takes way more than 15 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And secondly, yeah, he's absolutely ready. So let's get him on out here. All right, get him on out here. Wow, that was different. Hey, it's me, the mixtape in the air tonight. 
Imagine if Phil Collins sampled the mixtaper's voice and put him on drums so he could play exactly that. Hopefully, it'll be another tough week for you. But who's to say? You could turn me inside out. Listen, all I know is that no matter how well I do today, my loyal fan club out there, you'll be in my heart as I as I take James through this round of Factor Spin. Yeah, you got a long, long way to go, though. Listen, you're going to be able to outmaneuver me at every point on this song referencing, so let's just cut right to the first fact. Who said I would? All right, now. <laughs> my first fact for you. Yes, first fact. So you guys were talking about a specific little uh, three-man club that Phil Collins is in with Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. That's right. Well, did you know that uh, both Michael Jackson and Phil Collins are in another exclusive club? Oh, another Michael Jackson fact. <laughs> no, I didn't. Is it a Jacket Required club? No, it's a uh, involved in the mo- uh, involved with the movie Hook. Club. That's a very specific club. It sounds like you're trying to say they were just both involved with the movie Hook. Well, you'll remember Michael Jackson tried to curse, uh, paid a witch doctor to curse Spielberg for not putting him in the movie Hook, not casting him as Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh. Well, Phil Collins was in that movie. Phil Collins was in that movie. Was in the movie Hook. Okay, I, I've seen Hook maybe twice, and it's been a long time. So what was Phil Collins' role? He played the inspector investigating the disappearance of the Darling family, kids. Oh, okay, he didn't have a Neverland role. I, you know, I thought he might be one of the lost boys who was just really lost, you know? <laughs> Okay, so he's the inspector. Uh, how many lines does the inspector have? How long is he on screen? He's in one scene that I'm aware of. Maybe more. But there's one notable scene that he's in that I'm aware of. Yes. Yeah, okay. I've also only seen the movie like once a long, long time ago. Fair. Was this just a part of his normal acting gigs? Or was it something he specifically sought out? Yeah, he's uh, been an actor since he was a child. He got started as a child actor. Cool. Well, uh, do you have any other information about the fact? Not particularly about... Okay, well, if you're ready to wrap it up, then... I'm ready to say, I think this is a fact. I think it's true. Think he's in Hook? I don't see why he wouldn't be. Well, he is. There's a link to the, there's a link to the clip. Oh yeah, that's him. Yep. That is, that is Phil Collins. Not only is he related to Michael Jackson through this movie, but he's related to the Beatles through when he was 13, he was in the Beatles film, A Hard Day's Night. Yes, I did know that. That's a very fun fact. And I, I think he was uncredited. He's uncredited because you never actually see his face. It's only like his body that ends up making it in the shot. Yes, yeah. Remember Phil Collins? He was that one body in the Beatles movie. He was also, at the age of 16, in the musical, one of my favorite musicals of all time, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, was he really? I've yet to see that, despite you insisting that I need to watch it for a decade. Yeah, he plays one of the kids who storms the castle, but his scene was cut. There's a castle? Yeah, but his scene was cut because the director didn't like the giant white bandage on his head. Uh, And so you could say that directors didn't like showing Phil Collins' face in their movies, you know? They just didn't like his face. Well, his album covers sure do (laughs) he's making up for it (laughs) yeah he's making up for all the times he wasn't in movies by putting his face front and center awesome well hook good first fact uh and now for the required ramp up into our next fact it's not required but if it's gonna start being a thing i'll start getting more and more nervous before you say each fact every week good because my next one is he's an honorary texan Okay, Phil Collins is like a knighted British guy. Yeah. What? How is he an honorary Texan? Uh, the Texas State House and Senate made him an official honorary Texan. Whoa, people voted on it? I guess the House and Senate would have voted on it, yeah. Wow, Phil Collins passed the Texas legislature. Okay, uh, what is... 
Does he get perks as an honorary Texan? Is everything bigger for him? <laughs> what, what comes with being a Texan? Um, I w- I, I'm sure something. <laughs> Something's gotta, it can't be nothing. Did he do something special for Texas or in Texas or? Yes, he did. Oh, ooh, okay. I just wasn't sure if Texas just really liked him. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, he didn't get honorary. Texas doesn't just hand out honorary Texan titles to anybody that they like, all right? Do you think we could be honorary Texans? I know for certain we're going to petition the Texas State House and Senate now. Uh, <laughs> That's about to happen. They're not doing anything else. But he donated in 2014 his collection of, of his historical artifacts relating to the Battle of Alamo and the Texas Revolution. Oh, oh yeah. Phil Collins famously loves the Alamo. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. How big was his collection? He had the world's largest collection of artifacts relating to these events, including Jim Bowie's legendary knife. The Bowie knife. The Bowie knife. One of only four remaining rifles owned by Davy Crockett. Crockett's leather shot pouch and two powder horns that uh, Crockett allegedly allegedly gave to a Mexican officer before his death. This is incredible. There was also letters f- from William B. Travis and many other historical documents that shed light and insight on early Texas history. That's wonderful. Now, how does a man like Phil Collins acquire such a collection? By buying them. Yeah, okay. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and lock in that this is true. I think I know Phil Collins loves the Alamo, and he seems like a nice guy. I feel like donating that collection definitely would be a a thing he would do once he was done collecting it. You know, I I think it's a fact. This is a fact. Man, you just know so much about Phil Collins. I was worried about this. This Whenever we do a high-profile one like this, I'm always worried you're going to know a lot. Yeah, well, I don't want to know, but I do. I want to (laughs) know. want to know. Can you show <laughs> me some facts and spins about Alamo history? Well, you tried. Anyway, that I was tried. That one. It was almost there. I tried. I thought you were going to say that everything was true except he's not an honorary Texan. That would have been amazing. I wish I could have done that. But yeah, on March 11, 2016, the Texas State House of Senate made him an official honorary Texan. Took him long enough. Two years later. So two years from this date, the date this episode comes out, we want to become we want to become honorary Texans as well. We have to get a lot more. We have to get a lot more Alamo artifacts. <laughs> Let's just go get them from the Texas State House and Senate. They seem to have quite the collection. <laughs> we can buy them and then donate them back. For honorary Texas status. Yes, buy them. Okay, I know you're evil and all that, but let's not pre-confess to crimes on a podcast. All right, and now for the ramp up. Uh, We're ramping up into number three. He was once fired by George Harrison. Oh, awesome. Wow, a lot of Beatles things today. Mm -hmm. Fired from what job? Playing the drums. When did he play the drums for George Harrison? Great question. At the age of 19, Phil Collins was brought in as a session musician to play the congas on George Harrison's All Things Must Pass. All Things Must Pass is such a good album. It's so good. What songs was he playing on? Do you know? I could not find that information. Okay. Apparently he wasn't playing on them well. What did he do that made him get fired? Because George, you know... I guess it could be particular. Also, for the audience playing along at home, congas look like tall bongos. Yeah, they're they're big, big, tall bongos. So, what did he do that got him fired? Was he just too much? In the you know session sessions gone for a long time. 
for a long time, right? Yeah. And so they'd been playing for hours, and the director was doing this thing where they would play through the whole song, and he would be specifically listening to one instrument at a time and kind of just working his way through the instruments. And by the time the director got to listening to his part, his hands were bleeding. Oh, gosh. That's intense. And he was so nervous that he had smoked an entire pack of cigarettes, even though he doesn't normally smoke. That'll get you. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, you know, it was an awful time. His plane did not go well. And afterwards, Harrison and his crew left and Phil was told he could go home. And that's the end of that. So just one session, huh? Yep. He Months later, when the album came out, uh, Phil bought it and looked and was not credited on it. And the song had been changed. Wow, that's a bummer. Man, he was all bloody palmed and black lunged for nothing. For nothing. This is a, this is a fact. Wow. But is it true? Hmm. Maybe. All right. So we're exactly where we started. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any extra uh, confidence in this. Before you lock in an answer, I do have two more pieces of information. They're kind of one, but I have them as two separate bullet points. <laughs> so I said two. That must be separate. Yes. <clears throat> Years later, after this happened, Phil ran into George and brought up the experience. George remembered having a conga player fired during a session and could not believe that it was Phil Collins, right? At this point, Phil was famous. Yeah. And so George dug up, or I assume had somebody dig up and sent Phil the tape recording from that session where you can hear the congas come in playing way too loud and awful and then followed up with George asking them to replace the conga player, like confirming that he was fired. Sent it to Phil Collins. Could you imagine that? I can imagine. Imagine how humbled would you be after all these years of being mad about being fired to actually get the recording and hear how bad you were. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, that's all I had for you. Oh boy, this is this is perplexing. I'm gonna have to say this one's a spin. Going to spin. Yes. I love the Beatles and, and George, and I love all things must pass. And I don't know that I would have come across this fact, but it, it feels like it feels like a surprising crossing of paths. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to take a spin on this. This is a fact. Oh well I'm glad I got to learn this cool fact. Wow. Yeah, Phil Collins was uh, on this original session recording for one of the songs on All Things Must Pass. I It could very well be the song. Isn't All Things Must Pass also one of the songs? Yeah. So it very well could be the actual song All Things Must Pass. I don't know. But one last little fun piece of information I held back about this fact is that the video that I mentioned that George sent to him was a prank video. What? <laughs> George hired an entire band and recording studio to replay the song and have the congas come in super loud and obnoxious and send it to Phil to prank him. Be like, oh, look, this was totally you. That's incredible. Wow. Well, that would have definitely, uh, that would have made the fact sound even more fake. However, that would definitely make, <laughs> almost make me believe it more. Because I don't know, 1970 is not very far away from Phil's actual professional drumming career. So I can't think he'd be that bad of a drummer. When he when he told Phil Collins that it was a prank video, like, it, Phil couldn't believe it. He was like, oh man, I really thought that was me. Like, I, I regretted that performance, you know, like he, he was blown away. Yeah. Just imagine hiring an entire band and renting out a recording studio just to play one of your own songs badly so you can send it to your friend as a prank. I'd do it. I'd do it. Yeah, I would too. Here's my question though. How do you get blood off the head of a Congo? I don't know. I don't either. Maybe Phil Collins does. I assume he hopefully was like wiping his hands off and like not like it, I, I assume it wasn't like just 
hemorrhaging blood while he was playing the congas. He's just trying to play. He's crying. He's shaking from all the smoking. His hands are flinging blood across the room. Anyway, last one. One more. Classic four. Yeah, the classic four with a with a final ramp. Classic four with a final ramp. He once drummed in a gorilla suit. <laughs> Why does everyone wear costumes? Randy Travis, the snowman's walking around. Flippin' Stevie Ray Vaughan is Hulk Hogan at Halloween. Now we've got Phil Collins in a gorilla suit. Okay, so my first assumption, correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is Tarzan related. Uh, no. No? You're wrong. Be corrected. What is, how, why? Why did he drum in a gorilla suit? It was, it was for a commercial. This again. What kind of commercial? What was he selling in a gorilla suit? Was he selling gorilla suits? I wish. That would be a great commercial. It was for Cadbury Chocolate. Okay, yeah. Cadbury Chocolate in 2007 released an ad of a gorilla drumming to the opening of In the Air Tonight. Oh, it was his own song. Yes, that's why they wanted him specifically. They wanted the drumming to feel as authentic as possible. And so they asked Phil Collins if he would do the drumming. Was there ever a reveal that he was the one in the mask? Not during the ad, no. What? What a waste of celebrity. Uh, okay, uh, how much did they pay him? Uh, I don't know. I do know it was a lot because the company, uh, I in the, in the article I found, it said the company didn't want to pay for Phil Collins to do it, but the director demanded it and eventually got his way after doing like pilot testing with other drummers and it just went awful. Imagine, just imagine being the director of a chocolate commercial and being like so... <laughs> So much of a diva. No, I need Phil Collins. Like, I know you and I weren't, like, following advertising in 2007, but this ad apparently was, like, it was, like, the ad of 2007. Like, it spawned tons of spoofs and spinoffs. Like, like it was... it. It was huge for Cadbury, who was like hemorrhaging money at the time. Oh, I, because it was right after like a salmonella issue or something where they had to recall a bunch of their chocolate. Sure. So Phil Collins, the gorilla, can bring it back. Listen, you can you can feel that chocolate Cadbury chocolate coming in the air tonight. You can feel salmonella coming in the air tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's one you can't miss. I think this is another spin. You think this one's a spin? I believe a drumming gorilla in the commercial, but why would you go all in on Phil Collins just to never tell people that it was Phil Collins? Oh, I see the notification that you're typing in the chat, and that probably means this is a fact when you've got a link. Are you locking in spin? I'm locking in spin. This is... a spin. Oh, it's a spin. (laughs) It's a spin. Wow. Here's a video of the advert. It is life-changing. Life-changing? It changed my life when I watched this. I've watched it several times since. Oh, this is wild. This is so weird. This is... You've shown me a lot of weird videos for this podcast. This is the weirdest one. It's life-changing. I can see why it was such a meme. Imagine if this was Phil Collins. (laughs) The expression on the gorilla's face when he hits the drums. Like, it's so earnest. I love it. He's really full of angst. And then at the very last second, Cadbury chocolate. (laughs) A glass and a half full of joy. Why chocolate? Why? Supposedly the guy who came up with the concept for this did it in one night and like mapped out like shot for shot how it was going to go all in one night. Just sat down and had this brainstorm of an ad. And here we are 14 years later still talking about it. Yeah, I just don't. I have no words. That was that was a fact. It was a spin, but it was a fact. Listen, it was uh 
It was a true fact that I made a spin by putting Phil Collins in it. How'd you find that? Because it was actually rumored for a long time that it was Phil Collins who did the drumming. Like, they didn't reveal who was in the mass for a bit. It was like a big question people were asking, you know, after they got all popular was who was in the gorilla costume. And rumors were that it was Phil Collins because of how well the drumming was done. Yeah. And so therefore it popped up like 20 sites deep in my research. It's like, oh, this was a thing that was happening. Anyway, that's my, I think that was a pretty successful ramp up. I think they got more wild with each one. Yeah. And with that, I think I've taken up enough time. Time for you guys to talk about this amazing album. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I will see you next week. Yeah. You can hear him going in the air tonight. Welcome back, Connor. You can hear me coming back in the air tonight. We're making so many jokes about that one song that's not and even... it's not even on the <laughs> on the album. But I think everybody will know it. If you know Phil Collins, you know that. Even if you don't know Phil Collins, you probably know that one. Let's talk about the album art. It kind of already did. Kind of. His face is on it, and it's because his face was never in movies as a kid. This is to make up for that, yeah. Well, the close-up face shot was a trend that he started with his first album, which makes sense for face value, you know. But they did it again on the second album, and then on the third album, they said, well, why not? So they kept the very close-up shot of his face. Well, hey, look, no jacket was required. Just the face. Just the face. Well, they did want to show that this album was different than the first two. So, while they went with the same kind of concept, they made it red to show how it was full of energy and way more upbeat than the first two records. And I always kind of thought that he looked greasy and gross on this album cover. That's because they sprayed his face with glycerin to make it look like he was really sweaty. Why? Because to show that it was full of energy and upbeat. They should have just had him do the drum solo for In the Air Tonight in a gorilla costume and then taking the hat, the, the, the mask off and he probably would have been plenty sweaty. <laughs> I guess. I think they should have just left him not sweaty. I I feel like it would have been fine. Well, that also works. Listen, the album's called No Jacket Required, not No Sweat Required. They needed that sweat. Sweat Required. (laughs) Sweat Required. Yeah, in 2016, they remastered the album. And uh, actually, they remastered a couple of them in recent years. And they redid all the album covers with face shots of old Phil Collins. So the 2016 remaster has an album cover that's identical, except he's very old now. Did they respray his face in the 2016 version? I cannot confirm, but it doesn't look nearly as wet. They probably CGI'd the sweat. Man, technology, we've come so far. Now people could sweat without sweating. <laughs> anyway, we've waited long enough. Let's dig in. Yeah, that's the first track on this album. Susudio. That's a word most of you probably haven't heard. Well, that's because the name Susudio was a lyric that Phil improvised on the spot. He sang along and he made it up in the moment and always intended to change it. But when he sat down to rewrite the lyric, he just couldn't think of anything better. There is nothing better. There's not. It's, yeah. And this is like we talked about, one of those examples where he improvises lyrics on this album. So what he says is, sometimes you can use the lyric, other times you're in big trouble because what you write doesn't mean anything. So he said, I started to sing into this microphone and this word came out, which was Sussusudio. It just came out at the time, and that was back then when I could dance, so I knew I had to find something else for that word. And I went back and tried to find another word and that scanned as well as studio, and I couldn't find one, so I went back to Sussudio. That's it. And then he said, okay, what's... What's a Susudio? He asked the same question that we have to ask. And he decided that it would be a name. And so the lyrics are based on the schoolboy crush. This this love that's happening between a boy and a girl who doesn't even know he exists. 
And then uh, Phil Collins, fun fact, also says Susudio has since become the name for his daughter's horse. So now the song's about a horse. Yeah, he said, my older daughter's got a horse called Susudio, and I'm sure there are children all over the world with the name Susudio, so I apologize for that. And I said, are there really, Phil? Do you think Do you think there are a bunch of people out there that name their, their kids Susudio after this? This possible, I guess. This is just a feel-good song. You know, it's a groove. You really get into it right off the bat. And it's one of the most upbeat, poppiest songs on this album. I love it. I love that he keeps coming back to, it feels so good if I just say the word. Because heck yeah, what a word. It's a fun word to say. It is a fun word. It's great, especially the way he does it. He actually drew a lot of criticisms for how much this song sounds like a Prince song. Phil says he's a big Prince fan. And he even admitted that other versions of the song used to sound a lot more like Prince. And so he de-princified it a little bit to get to where it was then on the album. And even then, it's very Prince. But that's that's pretty much Susudio. Well worth your listen. Susudio. <laughs> and with that, I guess we should talk about Only You Know and I Know, track two. Listen, I know that you know, and I know, but so we can make sure the audience knows, let's actually talk about it. Right, yeah, we can't have Only You Know and I Know about Only You Know and I Know. We know, and they know, we all know, Susudio. All right, this one... Has some great drums. I mean, Susudio's got good drumming too, but only you know and I know is Chef's Kiss drumming. So good. And brass. This song's got a lot of brass. It does. I love the brass on this song. Yeah, it's really flashy in that sense. It's, it's got that very full, like, deep sound to it. This song is about a couple that is splitting up or close to it because they can't understand each other. They're not communicating effectively. And that is what's getting them into trouble, right? Only you know and I know the things we're trying to say. We only hear what we want to hear, and that's not good. (laughs) That's causing a lot of conflict and stress in the relationship. Yeah, like you said, the brass really speaks to me on this song. What's it say? It says, studio. I can't, that can't be a running joke for the episode. Too late. I want to point out two lyrics that I think are really great in this song. The first is, when I ask you what you see in me, you say our love is blind. That, that one, that one's a great lyric. Because, like, you're trying to communicate, trying to figure out, okay, what's worth saving about this relationship? And then your significant other just responds with, well, our love is blind. <laughs> like, I don't know what I see in you, you know? I just, I love you because... And then the other one is in the second verse where he says, whenever I think I know you better than I know myself, I pour my heart out to you and you just say, okay, what else? That really illustrates the difference in attitude between these two individuals and really where the disconnect is. I actually really like the one in verse three that is, uh, remember it's not good enough telling me the way it was yesterday. That's true. Yeah, they're trying to build this... It seems like one person wants the relationship to stay the way it has been, and the other person's trying to... It's not good enough to talk about how good it was in the past. I need to know what's good about it now. Yes. And he's just not getting anywhere. That's it. Only the two of them know what they're trying to say, and and so do all of us now. It's an open secret. And boy, does their relationship have a long, long way to go. (laughs) Saw that one coming a mile away. Well, you know, I had a long, long way to go to get there. (laughs) Now this song, track three... It really, really slows us down a lot. Yeah, I like it. I think this is the slowest song on the album, it, just in terms of tempo. like it a lot. I figured you would, as the ballad guy, this being the ballad. There's some other ballads, but this is the slowest ballad. It's also a very sad song and kind of gruesome. He says, <laughs> I, I sit here thinking of things to say, but someone lies bleeding in a field somewhere. 
So it seems we still have a long, long way to go. Like, we as a society have so much progress that still needs to be made because people are still dying. Someone's son lies dead in a gutter somewhere. But what do we do about it? You know, it's that kind of helpless feeling of, yeah, we know there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but we can't see it. Violence and terrible things are happening all around us. What do we do? I love the, like, organ that starts the song off. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. And quiet. It's quiet, but, like, it swells. Each individual note, like, kind of, it, like, as an organ, I guess, does is it echoes. You know, it, it, like, swells each note as it's played. It reverberates through the song. Reverberates is the word I was looking for. And then the bridge, too. Turn it off. If you want to switch it off, it will go away, which is kind of how it starts. But then he becomes more realistic as time goes on and says, turn it off if you want to switch it off or look away, which kind of implies to me uh, coming to terms with the fact that it's not going to go anywhere. And the best we could do is just look away until we make it the long, long way to fixing society's problem. Overall, I think it's a good song. It's not a song that's going to draw me back a lot of times. You know, it's not one I'm going to seek out. It's not one that's going to get stuck in my head. But it's important that it's on the record because it helps give you a wide range. You know, it's not all upbeat songs all the time. It's a breath of fresh air, ironically, despite being such a, not a downer of a song, but like a a very, a moment of acute, realistic themes. You know, do you want to know? I don't, uh, I see what's happening. Oh, sorry, sorry, I missed my cue. (coughs) Uh, uh, I don't want to know. No, I don't want to know is the next track, track four. And we're back, you know, from the slow, long, long way to go. We've come a long, long way, and now we're back into the heat of it. It's a song about someone whose lover's trying to get back with them, or, you know, talking. All these songs are about talking, by the way. Phil Collins must deal with a lot of gossip or something, because he's all about what people are saying. Well, you have to talk using your mouth, and that's on your face, and so his face is never in movies. That's a stretch. It's a studio. He panicked. <laughs> Just a little panic Susudio. Uh, a panic Susudio. So yeah, in this song, the gist of it is, I don't want to know what she said. She can cry all she wants. She's not going to bring me back. Yeah. It doesn't matter what lies she's spreading. doesn't matter what things she says to me to be sweet. I know the truth, and that's not going to win me over. It's adamant. This song is very adamant. Uh, listen, she made a big mistake. She did, yeah, and now she'll regret it. I like the chorus on this one. No, I don't want to know what she said. I don't want to know. Yeah, it's great. So good. If it goes without saying, uh, but I'm going to have a hard time with my top three this week. Oh, that's a big surprise, yes. And you've already turned in your bonus. Yes, I regret I regret turning in my bonus now. You, If you had held it for one more week. I know. You, you you tricked it out of me. You tempted me with Halsey last week so that I wouldn't have it for this week. I did. No, there's one thing I love about Phil Collins. A lot of these songs in particular that I don't want to know illustrates, and that's the way that he just goes to town on a note, right? His choruses really have a way of launching themselves off of the phrase. I don't want to know. Like, that one's big. Just say the word in Susudio. He really just leans. Yeah, and the music does a good job supporting it. And he never feels just out there on a limb by himself when he's hitting those big moments. The music's always right there, elevating him. It's, It's very well constructed in that regard. The next song, track number five, is One More Night. When he wrote this one, 
He said, I had a tempo in mind. I was thinking of one of the Jackson songs, actually, when I strung a chorus on it. The line, One More Night, just fit what I was playing. The rest of the song was written pretty quickly. So this song is kind of based after the Jacksons. One more night. One more night. Yeah, very insightfully, Phil Collins calls this song optimistic in a warm way rather than depressing in a negative way. One More Night is literally, literally the polar opposite of I Don't Want to Know. Because this time, Phil Collins is the one that's coming in saying, I've been trying to let you know how I feel so I can make you see. Give me one more night. And then, yeah, I'm guessing his partner's probably the one going, I don't care. You can cry all you want. I'm never going to take you back. He's saying, he's saying, give me one more night. She's saying, I don't want to know. They've got a long, long way to go before that, that before they'll know what each other knows in the studio. No. <laughs> that was bad. It started out strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh debatable phil says the song has no definite hook but i'd say that's kind of up for debate what do you think i i feel like the one more night like i feel like that's a hook uh, that's pretty hooky pretty hooky it might not be a hook in the same sense that i don't want to know is a hook or in the way that some of these other things have been a hook i think it's i think it's a little it's definitely i think a little catchier I guess if anything, maybe it's not a hook to him because it's more background. Because he does build a lot of the song over top of that melody. Even so, it hooks us. So that makes it a hook. You know what hooks me? What? The saxophone solo. Yeah, not often we get one of those except for three times in the last 39 episodes. Maybe four. We've had a lot of them. What can we say? We like them. I do love the line in the bridge, too. Like a river to the sea, I will always be with you. And if you sail away... I will follow you. That's sweet until you think about the fact that this person wants nothing to do with him. <laughs> so they're sailing away and he's like, wait, wait, slow down. He's trying to catch up. It's a nice line, though. I just got the strongest urge to watch the movie Life of Pi. I've never seen that. Oh, great movie. Most of my pies have a very short lifespan because they're delicious. I have a banana cream pie in my fridge right now. I'll be right back. I can't tell if you're being serious about that. But it sounds like you are. Studio. Ah, you're back. I do have a banana pie in my fridge. I did not go get it. I decided to be an adult and wait till after we're done recording so people don't have to hear me eat banana cream pie on mic. It's fair. It's not like, yeah, we couldn't do anything to edit that out or cover it up. You know what? You make a good point. I'll be right back. The next song is Don't Lose My Number. What track is this? I'm just kidding. It's track six. That was a Don't Lose My Number joke. It didn't land. Just throw out a panic to studio. No, that's your thing. When the joke doesn't land, just panics the studio. It'll make everything better. This song is about a character named Billy who's gotten mixed up in some shady business and therefore had to disappear. So the speaker says, hey, don't lose my number because I can't find you. Like if you're ever going to get in touch with me again, you're going to have to have my number because it's 1985 and that's the way technology works. Do you think this is Billy Jean? No, I don't. I don't think it's Billy Jean. Just another way... That he's connected to Michael Jackson. I doubt it. I, I really doubt it. But I do I do want to know what you think Billy's crime was. Billy swears he's innocent. He says he never meant to do anything wrong, but things are escalating quickly, and so Billy needs to run. What do you think Billy did to get on the mob's bad side? Uh, he went to the dawn on the day of his daughter's wedding. Oh, that, yeah, timeless story. Woke up with a horse head in his bed. The horse's name was Susudio. <laughs> Ooh. Come on, I feel like that was a good one because you said the whole thing about the horse's name being Susudio. I felt like that tied in actually pretty well. 
Oh, because oh, his daughter had a horse named Susudio. Come on, oh, that, that went over your head. I was like, man, that didn't get any reaction. I thought that was a good one. Wow. Yeah, that, I guess, was tied in better than I thought. Uh, I don't know. I like to think that Billy did some silly little petty crime. Like he jaywalked. <laughs> Mom really is against jaywalking. <laughs> keep running, keep hiding. He ran out of the darkness and into the night. Maybe he raised some pigeons but didn't buy them a ban. Oh, he's an illegal pigeon racer. He didn't buy he did ban his racing pigeons. Yeah. That's don't do that, man. As unofficially sponsored we're we're podcast that promotes for free the American Pigeon Racing Union. So don't race pigeons illegally. If you see anyone re- illegally racing a pigeon, Report them to us or your local authorities. And then maybe Phil Collins will write a song about them. (laughs) Who said that I would talk about that song? Yeah, the next song is Who Said I Would. This song was not a single from the album, but it did peak at number 73 on the Hot 100 chart. Does that happen often where a song that wasn't even a single makes it in the top 100? Well, it, it got released as a single later. Like, it wasn't a promotional single for the album, but they put it out later for other reasons. And then that's when it took off. It's yet another struggling relationship song. But unlike the other songs where he wants her back or she wants him back, this is one where they're both kind of stonewalling each other. The Cold War of one backs. A little bit, yeah. He says, you're going to miss me when I'm gone, like Anna Kendrick in the Cups song. <laughs> you're going to miss me when I'm gone. Susudo, Susudio. Who said I'd miss you? Where'd you get that misconception? I'm not going to miss you. Get out of here. Get out of here with your cups. <laughs> Phil Collins picks up his cups and walks away dejectedly. Hands bleeding from playing them for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Bleeding from playing the cups so much. Oh, man. And he likes to... I like how he tries to take ownership of this, right? He says, yeah, uh, you're going to miss me. And she says, screw you. But then he kind of tries to reel it back in and say, like, oh, well, I could never own her. And I know you'll still come back whenever you want me. But joke's on you. I only like you for your body. Oh, like he tries to make it. He tries to make it a, a <laughs> sick burn. Get wrecked. But really, he's the one that's like just been told that she does not care about him yeah it's like when you ask a girl at the prom and she says no and then you're like good i didn't want to go with you anyways it's a little whine yeah a little temper tantrum it's such a catchy song i watched a video of him performing this live i think the official music video is just a live performance of this really yeah it's very good even live and not a lot of songs can be that good live but this is one that he performs well now the next question is Why doesn't anybody stay together anymore? Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Maybe. I don't know. A lot of people speculated that Doesn't Anybody Stay Together Anymore was a song that Phil Collins wrote autobiographically about his divorce and his ex-wives and stuff. But he said all of his friends were breaking up with their partners. He actually, he says, he says, contrary to what people might think, I tried very hard to work things out with the women who left me. I never took it lying down. He says he and his band just had a conversation one day about all the people they knew that were going through breakups and divorces. Apparently, at the time, it amounted to more than two dozen. I don't know if that's 24 different divorces or 12 different divorces of people that they knew both parties. I'm going to go 24. I'm going with 24. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Why don't they stay together anymore? Uh, ding, ding, ding. Best line on the album. Ding, ding. Oh, you found a best line? I think so. I like, I really like the line. Okay, what's your submission for best line on the album? For me, it was in verse two, your heart's on your sleeve, but your sleeve is rolled up. Uh, okay. All right, well, man, you didn't have to just completely... <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's it's good. It's yes, good. Yeah, it's... Just com- yeah, just completely crumpled that one up and threw it away in the trash. This is why nobody stays together anymore, right? We're breaking up on the podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> I get the mixtape and the divorce. I guess I've just never considered that line very much. I really like it. It's it's a great, like, because, you you know, everybody knows the cliche, you wear, you're, you wear your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. And then to say, but your sleeve is rolled up, it just really packs a punch after an entire album of, like, talking about relationship problems, like, to then just sneak that line in there at the end of verse two. Ah, uh, this is one spot on the album, and I think this line suffers because of it. It's one spot, maybe the only one, where his launching into a chorus or ending a phrase with a big moment doesn't land as much for me because, and I talked about this earlier on the intro, I didn't mention it, but in my notes, uh, that same little two-note thing that he does that goes on for measures and measures and measures, it just starts to annoy me a little bit. ba 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 You know, it, and then, so after he launches off of your heart's on your sleeve, but your sleeve is rolled up. It goes back into that like instrumental for a little bit too long before we get to the chorus again. Oh, I liked it. I liked the line in the third verse, as a matter of fact. We we seem to be on opposite verses today. You keep on looking for that higher ground. It's the same old story. Your glass is empty and the chips are down. It's the same old story. So it took you four lines. I got to do it in one. Well, if I had to pick just one, your glass is empty and the chips are down. I love the cadence of that. I love the way that it so perfectly illustrates that they're giving everything they've got. All that they have is on the line. That's it. They're putting it all out there. I like Doesn't Anybody Stay Together Anymore. It's it's much more of the power ballad of the ballad songs. It's got a lot more oomph to it. The next song is another one I really like. It's Inside Out. I like Inside Out a lot. I do too. We're going to say that about every song. Have we said that about every song so far? Yeah, I think we pretty much have. There's not a lot to complain about, to be honest, on this whole album. That drums that kick off this one into the big hit of the rest of the instrumentals. I, I like the I like the concept of it too, like that this person's got them turned inside out, you know, like, and that's a very, I think, relatable metaphor. Oh, absolutely it is. And it's such a cool way to put it. If you had to pick one body part to turn inside out, what would it be? What a weird awful question where does the inside out in his style like if i pick my ear where the body part ends i probably just turn an inconsequential bone inside out is there really too many inconsequential bones i think they all pretty work pretty well together yeah there's plenty of them like uh like the middle bone in my pinky finger you want your pinky finger to work it could still the nerves would still be there it's just marrow instead of the top of my bone yeah that's fair because like part of me wants to say i because that would look dope but i would then want to be able to see would it oh wonder if phil collins ever imagined anyone would have this conversation because of this song uh, wait i want can, can, i'm gonna go with my belly button <laughs> i want my belly button turned inside out you just want an audi uh, or an any if i already have an audi you don't know don't dox yourself <laughs> don't belly button dox it's a real problem find me on wiki navels <laughs> oh, God. but no to answer your question i doubt phil collins ever do you know what? Maybe he has. Cause, I mean, he thought a bunch of people were going to be named to the studio. So who knows what he's thought about this album? <laughs> who knows what he's been thinking? Um, inside Out, everybody's telling Phil how to be and what to do, but he's sick of it. He's not going to let people turn him inside out anymore. No innies or Audi transformations for him. Yeah, I won't lose all the sight of things I'm looking for, he says, like a belly button. The next, the next song in the penultimate track on this record is Take Me Home. Apparently... Take Me Home is one of the album's bigger 
or I guess more enduring hits, even though it's not necessarily my favorite. I don't think Take Me Home is my favorite, but I feel like it has some of the strongest magnetism, though, out of all of these songs. Looking at this track list, Take Me Home is the one that just draws me the deepest into itself. You get sucked in. You know, it's it's very atmospheric, very large. I will give it credit for you finding a new way to play with the drums on this album. Again, uh, it's another one of those songs that in the stereo mix, it, he has the drums ping pong around it. Like as they, you know, because he like the song starts with the drums kind of like going down. I don't want to say down the scale, but, you know, like they kind of go down the, the octave of the of the beat. Yeah. And as it goes, it also kind of runs from left ear to right ear. Yeah. It's a fun way to shake up the drums on an album already known for its drums. It's so fun to see how he incorporates drums into his songs. What I will say about this song is it's often interpreted incorrectly. You may think the song Take Me Home is about Phil Collins wanting to go home. This is not the case. He actually wants to go on vacation. No, no, it's not exactly the opposite of that. It's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, where the speaker is a patient in a mental facility and wants to go home. It's about being released and coming back to real life. And uh, the music video for the song is actually Collins visiting his own home, which is why people got so thrown off. I like this song a lot. Um, I wouldn't have called it one of the bigger songs. Well, that's why I said it's one of the most enduring. It's one people listen to a lot. In a spot where I didn't have to be selective, I might have picked this. But I also could say that about every song on this album. It's great. It is. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I feel like that's all we've pretty much said about a lot of these songs. But, I mean, what else is there to say? Yeah, I know. It's not a song where there's... It's not an album where there's a couple of songs we can really, like, nitpick. There's... It's just a great album. Yeah, and it's not an album, too, where, forgive me, I I feel like his lyrics are good and strong and fun, but he's not really going too, too deep. You know what I mean? I don't think he's going for deep, though. No, he's not. And because he went for deep in his first couple albums, and this is supposed to be very intentionally a departure. We said hello to his old format, and he said goodbye. Yeah, he did. We said hello, goodbye. That's the last song. The, the first minute and 15 seconds of this last song uh, i love the first minute in 15 seconds and i wish that was the whole song <laughs> you wish it was the whole song it's a standalone instrumental part i mean i don't want just the minute in 15 seconds to be the song like i wanted the whole song to be in that style oh yeah well that would be okay like i wanted him to i wanted him to build off of that rather than that end and then the rest of the song kind of kick in due to the fact that it's got such a long instrumental the rest of the song is comparatively short, especially lyrically. And basically, it's this idea of saying hello to the new things and goodbye to the old. Life changes, and that's just a thing we have to learn to deal with and accept. It's about silver linings. It's a good song to end the album with. Yeah, it is. As you're saying goodbye to the album, Phil Collins is saying, we said goodbye to a dear old friend. I love the chorus. It's so motivational and so inspiring. And it's a chorus like this that really, I guess, reminds me. It's very reminiscent, even though it came after this album, of like the Tarzan soundtrack. Phil Collins is showing this knack for writing songs like he would do on the soundtracks right here. Turn your head and don't look back. Set your sails for a new horizon, right? It's very optimistic and inspirational. Tell everyone I'm on my way and that I'll be in your heart. Exactly. And that I'm going to trash the camp. Well, it's, yeah, different, but yeah. <laughs> Say goodbye to the camp. Say hello to not the camp, to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got Susudio. I think someone else might have said most of that. It's nice. It's it's a little bit cliche, right? This home is in your heart. You know, he kind of doesn't bother to find new ways to say some of this, but that's okay. I think he's just telling it to you straight, giving it to you like it is. And now we're going to give it you our final spin like it is. 
Yes, the final spin time. What an album. What a man. Spin It Legend, Phil Collins. Spin It Legend. I like this album. I've said so much about it already. Essentially, the music, I think, is deeply, (laughs) deeply mid-80s pop. If you don't like mid-80s pop, you're not going to like this album. But if you do like mid-80s pop... You're gonna love this album, but it's like pop rock. Like just to be clear, like like it's it, it like it's not like it's not like Elton John pop. It's not Elton John pop rock. It's it's different. It's all it's its own thing. If you like drums, you're gonna love this album. If you like that tacky '80s synth, you're gonna love this album. If you like Phil Collins, you probably already love this album. If you if you grew up watching Tarzan and Brother Bear and you like those soundtracks, you'll like this album. I think musically, it's very strong. It embraces its identity. You know, it doesn't try not to be. <laughs> of Phil Collins' pop album. It wants to be different than his first couple records. It wants to be upbeat. It wants to be energetic. I think it succeeds. So I'm giving music a 93. Lyrically, uh, we just talked about the lyrics. You know, we've just covered that. It doesn't beat around the bush. It's not high and lofty and metaphorical, but it's also not inaccessible. I think lyrically, it shoots right down the middle. I'm giving it an 85. Instruments and production, admittedly, I mostly listen to the remastered version. So the production may be a little not what it's meant to be. But instrumentation, awesome. The drums, and and more than just the way that he plays the drums, the way that he arranges the drums and uses them is phenomenal. And so many of these songs build well. It's like you talked about when he launches his vocal into a chorus or off the end of a phrase, the music is swelling and it's always right there with him. He's never left out to dry, right? So I'm giving instruments of production and 88 an overall vibe this album is real good it's very fun to listen to nothing really seems out of place to me is there any moment that you were like pulled out of this album where you were like oh that doesn't sound like it belonged here no no because i can't think of any either overall vibe it's pretty strong i'm giving it a 92 which takes our final score for no jacket required to a 90.9 nice Rogue 90s, where's that put it on the list? A 90.9 makes it currently number 64. Ooh, did not quite break top 50s. No, not quite. That, you know, still good. No, it's still great. It just didn't, correct me if I'm wrong, Halsey broke top 50. Yeah, yeah, Halsey did. So you thought Halsey's was better than this? It just, you know, it depends on the metrics you're using. My metrics are consistent for each album, and, you know, some things are stronger on Phil Collins than Halsey. And that's just the way that it goes, you know? Especially, uh, Phil got a higher score in instruments and production. You know, it just depends on what you're trying to analyze by. How about you? Have you figured out a top three? I think I have. Oh, I'm so excited to hear this. Making you pick a top three from this 11, from an artist that you know as well as you know Phil Collins, feels a little bit mean. Feels a little bit like I'm torturing you. It, it was torture. Um, but I can't imagine I get you to let me pick all 11. So. Nope. You know, you let me, uh, have an extra one to use in the future at any random time one time, right? So now I want to do the opposite. I want you to let me borrow one from a future episode. I'll tell you what. I'll let you borrow <laughs> as many as you want for this album but you can but you can only take one from each episode ooh so if you take if you want to take all 11 you'll be borrowing an extra 6 so therefore in 6 future episodes i can only pick 2 the next 6 future episodes you have to borrow oh it has to be the next 6 
So if I borrow one, just one, next episode, I am only allowed two. Um, yes. If you borrow, whatever you borrow, you have to take from the next episode immediately. All right. I'm just going to borrow one then. I can't be, I can't be down for the next seven episodes. <laughs> that was a fun twist though. We should keep that, keep that in mind going forward. My, my four top threes plus my honorable mention. In album order, Susudio. Thank goodness. I was, if you didn't, if that wasn't the first word out of your mouth, I was going to be really surprised and annoyed. You really would have rolled up the sleeve over your heart on that one. We got Long Long Way to Go. Mm. We got I Don't Want to Know. We got One More Night. And we have Inside Out. Okay. One of those is Conorable Mention. I'm not sure which. That's not, that hardly seems fair. And then one of them is my bonus. Conorable mention is already a way for you to pick four in your top three. It's literally the only reason it exists. Listen, again, I set the precedent very early. It was your fault you didn't stop me. I know, I should have known better. Um, But overall, yeah, like I said, great album. Love it, I'm a big Phil Collins fan. Been listening to Phil Collins for years. I think we should, I and I want people who listen to this to let us know on social media and, or like YouTube comments if you're there. Uh, but I think it'd be really fun to do a, a Spin It Live where we listen to the Brother Bear soundtrack and rate it. <laughs> Live. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, uh, I guess on the table. So let us know if anything like that, whether it's Brother Bear or not, is of interest to you, audience. And I'm going to give this one an unsurprising nine Panic Susudios out of ten. That's very good. Uh, we haven't had a nine for you in a bit. No, we have not. The last nine would have been episode 32 with Apocalypse Whenever, which to be fair is only six episodes old. But It feels like it's been a long time. Uh, but this one's gonna... I'm sorry, my girl, but this one's bumping Dua Lipa out of the number two spot Whoa. and going in right below Billy Joel. What a shock. I didn't expect that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I t- I'm a big Phil Collins fan. Love Phil Collins. That actually blew my mind. Much like how I said Billy Joel was going in at the top of the nines, basically a perfect 10, as close as you could get, and that nothing was going to be able to dethrone it, probably. Uh, this is another one of those ones that I just... It has to go towards the top of my list. This is a, this is an album that if you hadn't picked, is something I would have picked myself. I can't believe I. But you like Dua Lipa so much. I I did, and Dua Lipa is still my favorite episode because it you know it was it's the it's my favorite one that we've done because I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Like it was the, it was the biggest shock factor. Sure, but the nostalgia and just the the weight that Phil Collins has going for him of my loyalty, he goes in at number two. The weight of my loyalty. Stronger than my allegiance to Dua Lipa. Stronger than my fan club membership. Presidency, even. Okay, so on the playlist, uh, it's clear to me Susudio has to go on the playlist. Susudio. <laughs> Where do you think our second pick should go? What are you thinking? I'm leaning towards I Don't Want to Know or Inside Out. I think we gotta go I Don't Want to Know. I agree. I think that's fine with me. Well, perfect. Those will be our playlist picks. All right, well, that's gonna bring us to a close on another episode of spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music that's what you've been listening to if you didn't know already that's where we are next week we're doing something super exciting i don't know if you know the grammys are coming up the grammys were postponed for this coming week and so we are going to do an album next week that will be the winner of Album of the Year. Whichever album wins Album of the Year, that's what we'll be talking about next week. You know it, and I have my suspicions. So yeah, you know, let us know before Sunday who you think's gonna who you think's gonna take it. 
Tell us in the comments. The nominees are mostly really great albums, and I'm really excited to talk about one of them, and it kind of stresses me out that I don't know which one yet. We also go right from that into another Connor's Pick episode. Yeah, you got a pick coming up. I don't know what I'm going to pick yet. You got to figure out where you're going to pick. You got to let the mixtaper know. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you're looking for us on the web, you can find us on Twitter at SpinItPod and on Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial. You'll find a fun reimagining of Phil Collins' album artwork with the Spin It logo in it, as well as all the other albums and a bunch of other fun stuff. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. If you're looking for us on the web, you'll find us at the one and only www.spinitpod.com. That's us. That's us. And if you're looking for us uh, in our website store, take a look for the improper jacket on sale soon. Man, we gotta get a store up and running. It'd be so much fun just to have an actual store up and running. We'll see you next week. And uh, until then, you know what to do. Keep spinning. No jacket required. Keep spinning with no jacket on. That's right. Spin jacket. Let those arms out. Wear those hearts on your arms. Because there's no sleeve on the jacket. Jacket. Sleeveless jackets. Sleeveless jackets. Coming soon. Our jackets we sell have to have no sleeves. They gotta be a sleeveless jacket. The improper jacket has to be sleeveless. That's what makes them improper is that they're sleeveless. Awful. I hate it. Thanks. I don't care if we have to buy normal jackets and cut the sleeves also ourselves. That's what's happening. Then we can sell the sleeves separately. And we can number each of the sleeves so you can try to get your matching sleeves. Now you're talking. To Susudio.